This podcast is by G. Wayne Miller for the Providence Journal. I am an emergency physician. Um, I work clinically um, at uh, Rhode Island and Miriam Hospitals. I'm also a public health researcher and the director of our Center for Digital Health, looking at how we can use technology to improve health outcomes, uh, both within Rhode Island and across the nation. I have been a frontline provider throughout our COVID-19 pandemic here in Rhode Island, and I also work nationally. I lead a group called Get Us PPE, which is a nonprofit that works to get personal protective equipment to healthcare workers across the country uh, and work on a number of um, national research projects as well to try to change uh, the effects of this virus on our communities. Okay, so we are rolling. So Megan, welcome. Thanks for coming on. Um, wondering your thoughts and your assessment of where the state of Rhode Island stands in the middle of July 2020 in terms of the pandemic. Well, Wayne, it's a delight to be here. Uh, overall, our state has done a tremendous job in controlling COVID-19 through evidence-based public health measures. Um, Dr. Alexander Scott and Governor Raimondo really took the best of science and applied it as quickly and as effectively as was possible. Um, they've continued to work not just in that initial stage of trying to um, flatten the curve, but persistently in terms of keeping that curve low by expanding testing, by working with healthcare providers to make sure there's PPE, by working with individual community members to make sure that they both know how to get tested and have support if they're sick and need to be in isolation. However, that said, um, we are uh, here in Rhode Island on the cusp right now of heading in the wrong direction um, for a couple of reasons, uh, both of which are related to the rise of the virus in, in other states. So the first reason is it's summer and Rhode Islanders are traveling and people are traveling from other states to Rhode Island. And as we travel, we potentially can bring the virus back with us. Um, I know that airfares are low and we're all stir crazy, um, but as we go out and about and don't use physical distancing and don't wear masks, we're starting to see little bumps in the numbers of positive tests per day, and we risk re-importing um, and spreading the virus in our own community. You know, we've relaxed many of those physical distancing rules because of the low prevalence of the virus, but if people are bringing it back, that relaxation will not be able to stand and in fact is gonna endanger us. So, so that's danger number one. Danger number two is because of the resurgence of the virus in other states, despite our well-designed public health plans, we are facing difficulties with testing and protective equipment that didn't exist, right? The tests are um, being used by the states that have really high rates of hospitalizations and deaths. And it means that the amount of time it takes to get a test result here in Rhode Island is growing. Um, and so some of our hard-won gains may be endangered simply because the rest of the country um, was not prepared and because we haven't on a national basis mobilized the public health resources that are needed. So what can the state of Rhode Island do in terms of what you're describing here? 
So the biggest thing is for all of us as individual Rhode Islanders to do the right thing. It is for all of us to wear masks and to encourage others to wear masks when in public, whether we are kids, adults, older adults, that mask wearing is essential. We can also maintain that physical distancing. If you're gonna spend time with people, do it outdoors. Try to maintain a separation between you and the other person of at least six feet. Try to minimize indoor time. And if you are indoors, make sure you have a mask on. Don't go to large gatherings. Um, I know that our current rules allow larger gatherings, but the bigger the group of people you're with, the more likely you're gonna be exposed, to be exposed to someone with COVID. Um, it's those individual level choices that we can all make that will make a huge difference right now. Um, the other thing is, of course, for the governor and for Dr. Alexander Scott to continue to beat that drumbeat of getting adequate supplies here and maintaining testing infrastructure. Um, unfortunately, it's a little bit out of their hands, right? If there are no test swabs to be had, if the um, main laboratories are totally overwhelmed, there's only so much that Governor Raimondo or Dr. Alexander Scott can do. The Texas Medical Association has come up with a chart, one to 10, uh, low risk being one and 10 being high risk of, of different activities. And, you know, uh, at one is, among other things, opening mail. And two is uh, takeout from a restaurant. And then you go all the way up to nine, which is uh, going to um, you know, hang out at a bar or going to a stadium. So. Talk about those levels of risk and, and just sort of walk us through through that chart. You didn't come up with it, but I, I think if I have it correct, uh, you think it's a good guide to, to where people ought to be in terms of thinking of what they should do. Yeah, I think it's one of the better guides that we have. It's not perfect for sure, and we can quibble about the particular levels and is, should this be a two or a three, right? So it's not perfect but it is an overall good guide that shows that your risk increases as you do things indoors, as you do things with more people, and as you do things where people are shouting, yelling, singing, um, or uh, it, it, particularly in very close proximity to each other. And you see that on that chart. So you go from, as you said, things like opening the mail being very, very low risk. We uh, have evidence now that there's not a lot of spread by touching an object, um, particularly if you wash your hands afterwards, up until kind of those middle grades of risk, like eating outdoors with your friends. And then you start to get the higher things like playing basketball, where you're in close proximity, you're sweating and breathing on each other, um, singing in a choir, um, and of course going to uh, large gatherings indoors, whether they be church services, bars, stadiums, um, or potentially, and this is the thing that none of us know where it lies on that level of risk right now, is, is the question of schools. This virus is still, to some extent, an unknown. We are learning more as, as the days and weeks pass about this. So our knowledge base from March changed significantly to today. If you can just talk about how we are still learning about this virus. I think that is one of the most critical messages, which is that the science is still progressing. You know, nobody had seen this virus up until about seven months ago. We have worked unbelievably quickly to sequence it, to start to identify the markers of immunity, to start to identify potential treatments, risk factors for getting sick. But there is so much we don't know about how it's transmitted, 
what it does to the body, both in the short term and in the long term, right? We're just starting to learn about its chronic effects on people's brains and lungs and kidneys. Um, and there's even less that we know about how to prevent it outside of those very basic techniques of stay apart from each other, wear a mask, don't hang out indoors um, as much as possible. Um, those are, that, that's kind of the, the basics. And I know that some folks are getting frustrated because they feel like the message from science is changing. It's changing as our data changes. And I am very confident that come you know, November, December, January, we're going to have a lot more evidence about what to do. Um, I'm also pretty confident that these basic recommendations about how to stop the spread are not going to change dramatically. Um, we've seen them be pretty stable since late March, early April. Um, and, and I think I, I understand people's uh, concerns about changes of messages from public health professionals, but I um, am mystified by people's um, unwillingness to follow where the evidence currently is, which is very strongly behind mask wearing and very strongly behind maintaining some sort of physical distance um, unless it's someone that you spend a ton of time with and trust. You have managed to stay safe. Correct. So far, knock on wood. Has that provided or, or, or given rise to some anxiety? I, I've written a lot, as you may or may not know, about the mental health implications of this, both with frontline workers and regular people. How are you dealing with that aspect of it, sort of the emotional and mental health aspect? So there's two parts to it. I think there's the anxiety of being in the emergency department or the hospital and taking care of COVID-19 patients and being afraid that you're going to bring it home. Um, I think especially in the early days where we didn't, um, where no one could get uh, adequate protective equipment and where our hospitals were doing their very best, um, but there just wasn't protective equipment to be had and we didn't know if we were going to run out. Um, there was a tremendous anxiety there. It was tough to see patients filling um, our, our hospital who we could do very little, uh, who, had, who we had very few kind of definitive treatments for. There was certainly an anxiety and frustration there. But um, I'll be honest, I actually think right now is tougher. Um, we wanna get back to normal. We wanna be able to go to parties and hang out with our friends. We wanna have our kids have play dates and do normal summer stuff. Um, but the virus is there and it's lurking. And my anxiety now is, am I letting my kids do too much? Am I doing too much by doing a socially distanced drink with a friend? You know, what, what if they're sick and I didn't know it and our kids are playing together? What if my parents get exposed? I feel like right, and, and what if we're back in the same position in Rhode Island that we were in three months ago? Um, through no fault of our own, but because this virus has reared its head um, across the country. I think that uh, anxiety and frustration um, is in some ways greater right now. When I'm in the healthcare setting, I can control my risk to a certain extent. It is exhausting and frustrating and um, terrifying. Um, but, but now it's, it's out there in the community and, and, and there's just a worry of kind of when the other shoe is gonna drop.